All right, well, good morning, everyone. Great to see everybody this morning. I, um, I'm going to preach probably the simplest message you've ever heard this morning. You're right with that? Be about 20, 25 minutes. I do think that the deepest things of the Lord can be explained in simple terms. He wants us to know. He wants us to understand. He doesn't want to make things complicated, does He? Um, so, we've been on a theme. Dan has been talking about loving God, which from that you can then truly love yourself, and from that then you can love others. And I want to talk a little bit about the precursor to loving God, and I want to talk about knowing God and the importance of that and how we can know God more deeply. So, before we jump in, uh, let's just go ahead and pray. Father, we lift our eyes up to You. So grateful that we are this morning, that we can gather together, that we have Your Word, that we can dig into it, we can read it, that You revealed Yourself through Your Word to us, and that Your Holy Spirit comes and anoints Your words and cements them into our hearts, that we can see You for who You are, that we can come to know You more, and that as we do that, we can be changed inwardly by Your Holy Spirit that we, in fact, can become more like You. So, Lord, we're ready this morning to partner with Your Holy Spirit to seize hold of the words which you've spoken, which is, Paul said in Thessalonians, has the power to change us inside, because we want to be changed, and we want to be more like you. So, Father, let it be this morning that we will be more like you at the end of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to read a scripture here. First of all, from good old Paul, I'm going to read Philippians 3, four verses here, and uh, I'm reading from the New Living, New Living Translation. Let's see if that is the same. Yes, let's do it. Okay, Paul says this. He's been talking about his uh, heritage, all the amazing things that he was that looked good on paper, and he now says about those things, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else. I count it all as garbage, we would say, I think the King James really said, I counted all as rubbish, which is a word I like, prefer, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. Praise God that our righteousness comes in us believing and receiving what He's done and not from trying to fulfill the works of the law. 
For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ, he says, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Well, maybe not that part so much. We're Westerners here. No, thank you. Sharing in his death, I'm sure that's metaphorical, so that in one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And so we hear this passionate plea from Paul. This is the man who knew Scripture more than anyone else of his time, and yet it did not result in him knowing God until the Holy Spirit came, blinded him, shut his eyes, and we've we've, uh, talked about this a lot before, came and closed his eyes so actually he could stop seeing what was on the outside and see what was on the inside, and then he saw truly his deficiency and that all his knowledge had not not resulted in him knowing God and loving God, but it resulted in fact of him not knowing God, and he hated those who did know God to the point he even put them to death. And it wasn't until Jesus, in his kindness, knocked him from his horse, closed his eyes, and let him see who he really was, that he turned his heart, and he came to know God in such a powerful way, and this knowledge turned into a passionate love for God, and from that love, he began to love others, and he gave his life to bring the words of God to you and I, ultimately, through history, and many in between. And so, he is somebody that that understood the simplicity of what it is to know God. And I want to talk about two simple things this morning that are key to us knowing God and being transformed by Him. I want to talk about what it is to be led by God and things which are impediments to us being led by God. And then I want to talk about walking in power, which is what comes when we are truly led by God. How does that sound? Let's jump in. We're going to read a passage here um, in a little bit uh, from Revelation. But before we do that, I I just want to share an experience that, that led me to this. I had been Driving a lot, as those of you, as some of you probably know, that I have a business and I transport uh, cars for a living. So I drive a lot, uh, which I like. And this last four days, I've been to, let's see, I've been to Wisconsin and Iowa twice, Minnesota, South Dakota, uh, and back a few times. And so as I'm driving, I, I take time and I, I listen to scripture and I, I talk to the Lord. And I like to have time like that where I can just ponder, and uh, I was just praying some things through with the Lord, and some of the things that the Lord has been showing me recently is the importance of relying on Him for everything. And, you know, it's hard for us at times, particularly if you're a thinking person, you, like me, you tend to try and figure everything out ahead of time. And I have that kind of mind. I I like to think ahead. I like to be sure about things, to be, you know, get things clear. And so for me, sometimes my mind gets in the way of actually learning to rely on God. And God had been talking to me about that, and uh, I'd read a passage in Revelation, which I'll share in a minute. Um, but God was beginning to, 
to, to, to push these truths into me about the importance of simply relying on God for everything. And, you know, we're reminded of uh, the different instructions of Paul who talks just about to pray at all times, pray without ceasing, pray in the Spirit. And we all kind of nod along to that, but certainly for me, I think it certainly wasn't something that I practiced. And I felt God prodding me and saying, I want to show myself strong on your behalf when you come to me with everything and you pray through with me everything that's on your, on your heart. And this was beginning to get kind of come into focus with me, and I was mulling on it. And I'm like, Lord, can you, can you help show me, help, help unfold this to me? Can you give me a word that, that helps me understand this? And so right after that, I punched on the radio. And then something happened to me you may have experienced as well, but I received a prophetic word from Bon Jovi. Has anyone ever here received, anyone here received a prophetic word from Bon Jovi before? I'm the only one? Surely not. Um, apparently so. So right there, after me saying this to the Lord, hit the radio, and then there was Bon, jo- uh, bon Jovi. Came on, and it was living on a prayer. And I'm like, Right, it was, whoa, whoa, you know the song. I, I, I'm tempted to break into it. The band isn't here. They're not supporting me. Otherwise, I would. Um, whoa, whoa, we're halfway there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this. I'm halfway there. Whoa, whoa, living on a prayer. And I'm like, this is it, Lord. You want me to actually live on prayer in the everything. And then he said, take my hand. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the humility. This is like, I am relying on you. Take my hand. We'll make it, I swear. The confirmation, the confirmation, the assurance that I needed was being spoken to me directly, and I ended it, whoa, whoa, living on a prayer. And I'm like, Lord, you, you never have you spoken more clearly to me than... And obviously, the Bible says God can even speak through, uh, through I was gonna, I'll say donkey in this country. In another country, we'd use another word. Um, but God can speak through anyone. And, uh, you know, I joke and I laugh about this, but actually at the time, I, I'm not kidding, you know, I, it was, I asked God to say, help me understand this process. And I hit the radio, and boom, there it came. And so God began to unfold something to me, which really began to change how I interacted him, uh, with him and how I experienced him. I had just read a passage uh, from Revelation. So we're going to read it now together. Um, and that was partly where my thinking came from. So let's read this passage in Revelation 7. It starts in the uh, second half of verse 15. And this is a passage... Um, where it's talking about those who have um, died in the tribulation, um, and they are surrounding the throne. And it's talking about the interaction of their God with them, and it expresses the heart of God. Now, you know, we don't probably talk a lot about heaven, and and so I think some, our understanding of what heaven is about probably is a bit limited. I'm okay with that because actually I kind of like living on earth. Um, and I want to, <laughs> I really want to capitalize on my time here. Now, at the same time, once I go on to be with him, I will live for eternity in his presence. 
And it's not, as much as I like sitting on clouds and playing the harps and stuff like that, um, there won't be a lot of that, disappointingly. Um, what there will be, there are cities. We will have to rule. There will be responsibilities and charges apportioned to us, and there, there's stuff to do. But we will be basking in the glory of Jesus while we're there. So when we're reading this passage, it, it, this, is not, it, this is not just pretty poetic language. This expresses the heart of the Creator towards His people. And what we're reading about here is something that we can experience in this life because this is the heart of God. It's not like He's unable to give to us things from His heart on this earth. So, he's speaking here, um, he says, and he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be thirsty or hungry. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun, for the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes." And what struck me from that is the line of God being a shepherd. And what I felt God was showing me is that He wanted to be more of a shepherd in my experience of Him than I had currently known Him. And one of the things that He wanted to do by me making a commitment to, in simple things, to begin my days with committing things to Him asking for His help, asking for His intervention, that if I did that, He would show Himself a faithful shepherd to me. And because of the way, you know, my, my mind works and at the age, you know, stage of life that I am, I'll be 47 in a month, um, that we, you know, we can sometimes think that once we've lived life a certain length, we should be able to get by on experience. But I want to let you know that is not true. <laughs> um, and if anything, the opposite is true. I can tell you a story here um, that illustrates this well. Um, probably about 25 years ago, we were going on a family walk um, with my parents and uh, my other siblings um, on the south coast of England, which is something we did often. It's beautiful. We have a couple of pictures here, actually. I'll show you so you can get a picture of what it is like. Um, Maria, if you could throw that. So this is my family. This is not the particular time we went for this walk, but this is the location of it. So this is my family about five years ago um, in a part of the country called Swanage, and it's really beautiful, and you can see it's very rocky in places there. So there's another picture of me and Chloe, I think, coming up. Um, we're further down that um, path, that walk there, and then we have a final picture of my brother Tom, like doing the more arduous section of this walk here. Um, so you can see that there's like a range of terrain. And so thank you for that. We, can, we got the mental picture now. Um, and so we went on a walk together um, where we had walked many, many times as a family. I was familiar with the walk. It was about four miles long, and I knew the way. And so off we there, we were enjoying the sun, it was a beautiful, a beautiful day, and we were walking and we were chatting as a family, just good times. It's something that my family did lots of. We, we, we did recreation together, we spent time together, and it, and it kind of forged the culture of our family and how we interacted. And we were all very familiar with this particular walk that we did, and we went on our way, and some of it is easy and some of it is difficult, 
And we walked uh, along the path, and we started to go over some rocks and up and down. And I was probably about, I don't know, 17 or 18 years old at the time. And we came to one section of the walk that was very rocky. It would be like the, 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 the part that, the picture that we just saw of me and Chloe there. And we started going up and down the rocks a little bit over them, and you had to jump. Uh, you had to cross a couple of gaps in the rocks where the sea was underneath, probably about 30 feet below, and things like that. And then my dad was a little bit ahead of me, and I began to go up um, a fairly large clump of rocks. And then as I was walking up them a little bit, I got a little bit unsteady on my feet. It wasn't to the point where I was going to fall and be injured in a bad way, but I was a little bit unsteady. And right there and then, my dad, who, you know, I was almost 18, he reached back and he put his hand out towards me. And my dad, he, one thing that was peculiar about him, he had really big hands for some reason. He was kind of slim like me, but um, he played loads of sports when he was you know, a young man, and it was really strong. And he put his hand out, and I just grabbed it naturally. And he just kind of steadied me and lifted me, and then we carried on going. But the, the, the point I want to illustrate here is this, that... Just because we know the way doesn't mean that we don't need to be led. Let me say that again. Just because we may think we know the way doesn't mean that we don't need to be led. And God showed me something as He took my mind back to that time that my familiarity with the way that I think the path is going can cause me to feel I should do it without being led. And I may well, in fact, have understood from the Lord a sense of direction and even know, know the path to get to where I feel He wants me to go. But what He wants is to be with us on each step of the journey. And there will be times, I don't know if I can walk over here without making some bad things happen. Let's go back over here. Um, <laughs> there will be times on the journey when he wants to put a hand out like my father did and just grasp our hand and steady us, and the reassurance that came to me, even as I was a young man at that time, from just having a steady hand of my father pull me up, it, it, it changed my, the, the, the way I thought. And it gave me a confidence, and it just gave me a feeling of connectedness for the remainder of the journey. And I feel that for us, that God wants us to come to a place of simple reliance, where even though, like, we may be clear about where we're going, that we actually learn to, in everything, we commit our way to Him, and He's going to show His, Himself strong on our behalf. Amen? It's really important that we still always maintain a position where we are being led by Him. All right, let's talk a little bit about what happens when we do that and walking in power, and then we're going to wrap up in a little bit and pray. Uh, we're familiar with the Scripture in, uh, I think this is mentioned four times in the Bible, so we should really pay attention to this. Um, the same thing is repeated four times, I believe it's in James 4, 7. It says, um, God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. 
And so we have this dynamic where if I will humble myself and I will put myself in a place where I recognize that I am reliant upon Him, He then will lift me up and He will dispense grace to me. So, grace is an empowerment to do far beyond what I could otherwise do myself. Now, the proud person says, I think I've got this. So, to put this, let's put it in really physical terms, on the walk that I was going on with my dad, if I struggled to clamber up that rock and I didn't want to take his hand, that would be pride. I'd be like, no, I can do this. And, and maybe I could, but it was much better that I received help. And so, when we're humble, God bestows His power upon us. Now, Paul talked about this, and he famously talks about it in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10. We're going to read it now. And uh, he talks about this dynamic here and how it really made an enormous difference in his life. We're familiar with this, but let's read it together anyway. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I think it will come up in a second here. I will read it to you. We, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong." His power is made perfect in weakness. I think the New Living Translation, I'm not sure if it's the one we have up here, um, says, yes, here we go, my power works best in weakness. I like that. <laughs> um, so, hands up anybody here who has any areas of weakness. Right. Okay. You can put your hands down. Everyone else put your hands up. Oh, there's no one. So, the, here's a great news for you and I. Uh, we're really great candidates for the power of God if we are and when we are humble. I want to talk a little bit about how that power works and what it's like. Um, so, I'm going to show you here. This is a power. Uh, this is a piece of cable that would be used in a home um, that transmits power to a light switch or, you know, a light bulb or something like that. I'm holding this here because I've had the great privilege of having some help in my home from Ed Reardon and Ben. Where is Ben? Somewhere. Ben's over there, who helped me install a shower vent, an extractor fan, in our shower because for some ridiculous reason in 1979, they did not realize that in the 2000s that people like myself or Diana would have teenagers who take showers for 20 minutes plus, and therefore you do in fact need an extractor fan to extract all the moisture from the shower, otherwise it gets moldy. So to solve this problem, I had help from two friends that came and worked on uh, installing an extractor fan in a bathroom. And Ed used this wire to hook up the controls for the extractor fan. Now, this wire is designed to take 110 volts thereabout. That's the amount of power that it takes. So here, Ben, I'll give this to you. You can grab that, feel, uh, take a look at that, and see what it takes to 
be able to carry 110 volts. That's what it takes. Now, this past week, on one of my journeys, I had to go and pick up two vehicles from the development of a wind farm in Nebraska. And so I went ahead and I pulled there. It was snowy. It was in the middle of nowhere. It was crazy. And I pulled up with my truck and trailer and I began to load these two pickup trucks onto the back of my trailer. And then in one of them, in the, in the bed, I came across this. This also is a power cable. You ready, Ben? That probably weighs about 20 pounds. You can pass it around. Take a look at this thing here. Here you go. That can take some power, because that is the cable that is designed to bring power from the generator from a wind turbine. And the amount of power that that can take is closer to 400,000 volts. And those of you who know anything about the national grid and electricity will know that despite the fact that we in our houses need electricity at 110 volts, they transmit it long distances at hundreds of thousands of volts. So I'm going to ask for that back now, Ed, if you can pass it to the front here. And I was holding this in my hand, and then I was holding the other tiny little one, and I was thinking about this, and I was suddenly, I had a flashback to my physics class. And I remembered the one snippet of about 20 minutes when I paid full attention to what the teacher was saying. And I remember them explaining to me why it is that when we only need 110 volt volts at the outlet, that they choose to transmit power in cables like this at 400,000 volts. And here's why. Crazily enough, the greater the power of electricity that you, commit, that you transmit through the cable, the lower the resistance to it. So, if they transmitted power across the country at 110 volts through those spindly little cables, most of that power would be lost by the time it got to your home and mine because there's actually more resistance against lower power than there is against a higher power. So, they scale it up to 400,000 volts because when it's at that voltage, you lose less power at 400,000 volts you do at 110. And for you and I, God wants to tr transmit His power through us at the level that Jesus and His disciples and many others since have experienced. Because when we are able to humble ourselves and receive His power, at the levels that he is willing and ready to dispense it, the natural resistance to that level of power will be much less than it would otherwise be at a small level of power. And for, I would say for all of us, where there is 
a resistance to God and His power. Maybe it's the flesh. I battle with, with just the natural flesh, part of being in the body, not feeling like doing things, things being difficult to do. Whether you're, whether you're experiencing resistance from just the natural flesh, just being human, whether you're experiencing resistance because of the past, because of disappointment, because something didn't go the way you wanted it to, whether you're, there's resistance because you're believing lies that have been spoken over you by other people or by yourself, and you don't feel like you can enter in to what God has for you, the solution for you is to bump the power up. We need to get out of 110 volts and get up to 400,000 volts. Because when the power of God comes, those things that were resistance, they're going to melt away. And if you, like me, want to live your life being a conduit like this, then we need the power of God. And the resistance that we feel, it's going to start to go away. So, uh, I want to ask you a few questions, and I'm going to ask if you would stand with me at this point, and then I'm going to pray, and perhaps we could have somebody play the guitar or the keys. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a question. It's about knowing the heart of the Father. If anything that I've said is connected with you, I want you to to dwell on that I want you to ask yourself are you the type of person that will try to make do with the least as you look at things as you as you consider are you the type of person that will try and just get by with the least are you the type of person that when there's an opportunity to receive something you'll expect you're going to receive less that you don't think you should get more is it hard for you to receive a compliment, to receive people's generosity? Is it hard for you to think well of yourself? If any of these things are true, I'm going to suggest to you that the Lord this morning wants to reveal Himself to you in a way that will break those lies because that's not the Father you have. He's a Father of abundance. He's a father of, an, of acceptance. He's a father of never-ending generosity. He's a father for whom no thing is too small to attend to and no thing is too big to be impossible for him to do. That there is no issue that you've encountered that he cannot overcome. There's no experience that you've had that he cannot heal and restore. There's no thing that you now lack that he is unable to provide for you. And he wants you to know him in his fullness for all that he is. And he wants to ensure that anything that prevents his life and power of his Holy Spirit from dwelling in you in fullness, that that thing that would prevent it will be taken away and he can do it. So I'm going to pray now, and I'm also going to invite members of the prayer team to come forward and perhaps pray specifically if some people feel that they need specific areas of prayer.
But I'm going to take some time to pray for us just generally here, and then we'll dismiss. Want to say something, Jamie? Go ahead. So what's happened in the house today is that Jeremy's been able to uh, expose the thief because the familiarity is a spirit. And so that spirit of familiarity is a, um, it's a curse that robs you from faith, from, from believing, from faith. And so you may not sense it or understand what I'm trying to express, but there is such an authority in this word of coming against familiarity I mean, look at Jesus in his own town, you know. He couldn't do a whole lot of miracles. Um, they knew it, you know, all. He's from Bethlehem, and they knew he's father and blah, blah, blah. But in our families, it's the same thing in our business, in our life, with, in our walk with the Lord, all these things, you know. They hold us back from who we are, from that power, from that authority. I believe as Jeremy goes forward to pray that we should, everyone in this house, be on our knees. I think that there's a, an honor and a humility before God. See, we're shattering unbelief in this moment. And faith is arising as we bow before him. No, amen to that. And it's something as a, as a sign that we can do to the Lord to say, Lord, I submit to you. And he loves that. So, yeah, if we're able to, let's go ahead and do that. So I'm going to pray right now. Father, Lord, I thank you for... I thank you, Lord, for what your heart is for us, Lord. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here, and he is ready to wash through and cleanse away the lies and the, th and the, the, the blockages that have prevented us from knowing you more fully and living in your power. So, Holy Spirit, for each of us as we have recognized areas that hold us back. I ask Holy Spirit right now that you would fall, that you would come, and that against a lie you would now come and speak truth. Let the truth of what has been spoken this morning come in the seed to, to dig into that soil and cause now life to come and spring forward. And so I speak to the darkness and I say, out with you and light come and shine. And the truth of God's Word, come and bear much fruit right now. And Father, I ask that you would come in power upon our lives that from this point forward, that we would know and experience your closeness and your involvement and intervention, your Holy Spirit speaking into our lives and through our lives to those around us, Father. I ask it right now in Jesus' mighty name, amen.